All right, guys. Kathy uh, and I are going to tag team this. There's a, an outline um, on the tables for you. Take notes if you like. I, this is being recorded if it's of use um, afterwards. I'm feeling a little bit of pressure because I know at least a couple of you uh, managed to organise a babysitter, which is a lot of work and a kind of a big deal. Uh, and instead of going out somewhere to have fun, you've come along tonight. So I'm, I am uh, feeling the pressure. Now, um, Kathy and I have been married 31 years. Uh, we got married at the end of January, 81. We've been in ministry for 28. We've been parents for 28. Uh, they've been 28 good years, uh, but many of them have not been easy. And our marriage has been, uh, we've had our, how do we put it, ups and downs and difficulties and, and so on. When we, when we first started going out, uh, given that Kathy's mum and dad weren't too keen about her um, you know, marrying a, a white boy, and as I look back, fair enough, um, uh, when we started going out, they offered Kathy an around-the-world trip to anywhere she wanted for as long as she wanted, as long as she didn't take me. Um, they were that impressed. Yeah. Now, uh, in the, once we've been married five or six years and we're at Bible college uh, with no money and three screaming kids in a tiny little terrace in Newtown with an outside bathroom and outside toilet, there were quite a few times when I think she wanted to reconsider her decision as to which one she took. But anyway. Now, let us try and share with you some of the things that we've learned um, at, a, at as practical as we can. Some of it is gold. That's the Bible. Can't hear? Okay. Is that better? Right on. Thank you. Some of it is gold. That's the Bible. Okay. A- absolutely gold. And then way up the rest, what you think. Okay. So here we go. You know in Ephesians chapter 5, um, uh, oh, by the way, I know most of us have the privilege of being in, in paid Christian ministry, but I know some of us... Um, don't have other jobs and so on, and busy serving the Lord in other ways, that's great. I think most of it will be relevant to most of the room. Okay. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul has the big, long discussion of how husbands and wives are to love one another, and in terms of mirroring the, uh, the way that Christ loved the church, and the church submits to him, and so on, and that marriage is really just a little M picture of the big marriage about Christ and his people. So I just want to have a look at, um, on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33 says this. However, it's like a summary of that whole argument. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. That's the, uh, uh, the ESV translation. Now, here's something to notice to state the obvious. Do you notice the roles or the expectations on husbands and wives and how they're to behave are different. The roles of husband and wife are not interchangeable. They're equal, but not interchangeable. And that also means, by, by logic, that what a husband needs and what a wife needs is different. Got that? They're not, we're not interchangeable. We're not the same. We're equal, but we're, we're different. Now, those two words, um, love and respect... The different translations kind of uh, work harder trying to get that right. Kathy, you'll get the next slide. Thanks. So um, the NIV, it's got, uh, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Uh, the New American Standard Bible uh, also goes for love and respect. Uh, and the King James Bible goes for this. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. 
Okay? And so the two words, husbands are to agape or agape, love their wives, um, to act in her best interest, to love her in action and, and so on. And it's the same word as, as he used for the way that God loves us in Jesus. Uh, and you really can't escape it, gentlemen. Uh, you might think, ah, oh, no, man, oh, sometimes I get so cranky and frustrated with her and so on. Uh, yeah, it's also the same word as when Jesus says, love your enemies. So I don't care how cranky you are with her, right, or what she does, you've got to love her this way. Got it? Okay. Now, wives are told to fob-e-o, fear their husbands. Only, only it's a, a word with a, a semantic range, that to fear or hold their husbands in awe, A-W-E, right? Now, for those of us who have been married more than about a week, um, I think we'd better settle for respect, okay? I think that'll, uh, that'll do. We're not the awesome thing. No, it's just not going to happen, is it? But what's it mean to, to respect or fear in that sense? What does it mean for wives to respect their husband? We've got a fair idea of what it means for a husband to love his wife, but to respect your husband... Ladies, it's not the same as love, is it? Because you think of the difference between, say, your boss, if you, you, know, if you, if you work in the workforce, and a four-year-old. You can respect your boss, but not necessarily love him, right? A four-year-old you can love, but you don't necessarily respect her or him. You've got the, the, there, is a, there is a difference. What's it mean? It means to take him seriously, to treat him like he is important or significant. And you notice they're slightly, they're different, aren't they? Love, cherish, care for, um, respect, treat them like he's um, serious or significant. So men and women are wired up um, differently. Okay? Um, if, and I think we're just, we are just beginning to understand that. And if we don't understand that, we can begin for a world of pain in terms of our, uh, of our marriages. All right. Now, it seemed like a good idea at the time. I think that's one of the headings there. So what happens? You, uh, you meet one another, um, you, know, you, you choose to get married, you fall madly in love, and as Cathy would say, when you, when you kind of first get going, you're, you're connected with one another. Right? Remember that. And so you're connected, you're, you're sharing your dreams, you're, you're, you're attached, uh, you're sexually active with one another, you're emotionally involved, you're spiritually involved, you're sexually active with one another... Uh, and so on, all right? Did I mean, yeah, that's right, yeah, all right. And here's something to remember. For everybody in this room, or I assume, if you're married, you were a volunteer. You chose it, okay? You chose to get married to this particular person. Uh, as I look at other cultures, uh, arranged marriages work just as well in other cultures. Interesting, isn't it? And for a man with three daughters, I think arranged marriages would be great. But anyway, that's... Uh, I can't... Okay. So... Um, there's kind of an idealism, though. You fall in love and everything's kind of... You see things through rose-coloured glasses and so on. Um, but there's also... We come into marriage, and maybe the survival of the species depends on it. We come into marriage a little bit naive about what it'll be like. And a little naive about the fact that it's going to be hard work. Like, for example, everyone assumes that their own family that they grew up in I should say, most people assume that their own family that they grew up in was kind of normal, all right? There are no normal families. Cathy, do you want to just talk about family of origin for a second? Well, I mean, uh, I, I approached my mum and I, I said, you know, 
Why would it be a problem? She said, I think there'll be a problem. I said, why would it be a problem? I said, we're both Christians. But, but just because Alan's white Aussie male from the country with um, his dad being a prison officer and his mum from a free Presbyterian church. And then I'm Asian, as you can see, full Asian, from Papua New Guinea and raised in a business enterprise type family. So, like, but in our naivety, we just thought, well, if you're both Christian, you'll work. No problem. Um, yeah, so, I mean, why is it work? Because when you're Christian, we bricked up the back the back door, didn't we? That's that's what it was. We couldn't leave. Um, so, but it's taken us, it's taken us years and years and years, and we're still trying to sort out the baggage that you bring with your family of origin. Okay, and so that's one of the one of the pressures that we bring. We'd be a little naive. Now, the other pressure that comes, of course, if you step into full time ministry, there's a whole lot of other pressures that come um, with your marriage. Right? And so we we sign on as volunteers to marriage, and then we sign on as volunteers to go into ministry. And we're going to change the world with Jesus. And that's good. And we will change the world with Jesus. But uh, it can be hard work too. And see, we line up to go and be shepherds of Christ's people. And then we discover that Christ's sheep are dumb and stubborn and they bite. And they do. If you haven't been bitten yet, wait for it. And there's emotional exhaustion and frustration and, and so on. And it happens that if the husband's working as a pastor and he gets home and, and his emotional tank is empty, and that happens, you get home, you're exhausted, emotion, emotional tank empty, and then she thinks or says, wait a minute, you've got time for everybody else except me. All right? Yeah. And then, and then he thinks, wait a minute, everybody wants a piece of me, including you. So how do you, you know, and then... You just kind of feel like the fishbowl existence that everybody's watching and then also ministry never stops. In fact, the better you do ministry, the more there is to do. So when do you, how do you kind of draw the lines and the work never ends? It brings extra pressure on your kids and family life and so on. And I think I've met, we've met um, uh, young couples who are miserable, not getting on, can't work out what's wrong and yet kind of think, well, because we're in Christian ministry, we better just kind of, you know, being miserable, well, just, you know, what are the two cliches? Suck it up, princess, you know, and move on, or cheer up, we'll soon be dead. So it's that kind of, and life's miserable, but we just soldier on. Uh, After a little while, you get to, as Kathy puts it, you end up disconnected. I call it the not a lots. And some of you might be in the middle of the not a lots at the moment, all right? And that is not a lot of fun, not a lot of money, not a lot of love, not a lot of sex, and it just goes on and on, and it's not much fun. Uh, And you get to the point where you think, well, look, this isn't how I would have written the script. So this is deadly serious. Um, uh, You are a volunteer for marriage and a volunteer for paid ministry. You can really only leave one without it being a disaster. And that is, I want to say, it's much more important that you keep your marriage together and actually have a functional marriage, especially if you've got kids. Much more important to keep your marriage together than it is to stay on in paid ministry if you're miserable and hurting. And what often happens is people can't see how they can leave the ministry and and it, it costs them their marriage and their ministry in the end. 
So much better to step out of paid ministry for a time or even kind of permanently than for it to cost you your marriage. Right? So there you go. I give you permission to talk about that with people if you, if you need to. Now, when you're in the middle of the not a lots, and I'll hand over to Kathy soon, but when you're in the middle of the, of the not a lots, uh, you get bad outcomes for husbands and bad outcomes for wives. For the husbands, well, we're going to talk about love and respect. Uh, husbands easily feel um, disrespected. And when a man feels like his wife doesn't respect him, it, it can be very hard to love her, very hard to love her sacrificially. And so men end up looking for someone who will respect them. Men want to feel significant. Um, I'm going to, well, we're going to push this book, uh, Love and Respect, by Emerson Egrichson. Uh, uh, very good book. I know. I'll tell you more about it in a moment. But listen to what he says about uh, a woman whose husband committed adultery. And by the way, I, I am not in any way excusing that. But it's worth trying to understand what it is that goes on in the head of a lot of guys when they do this, okay? And especially, I think I've known, uh, even just in the last year, three, last eight months, three guys I knew and would have counted as, like, peers who've committed adultery and are out of ministry. Um, and it's not that they missed a lecture on 1 Corinthians 6 at college, okay? They knew. Now, what's going on in their head at the time? And I'm not excusing them, by the way, at all. But listen, he says this... Um, he, uh, one wife shared after her husband strayed into an affair. Uh, never call it an affair. It's adultery. It's black and it's ugly. Okay, But she says this, I realised that my husband had cheated with this woman not because of her looks or her personality or because she was anything so great, but rather because she was his captive audience. She thought he hung the moon in the sky. Every remark he made to her was witty. Everything he did was perfect. In her eyes, he was the most handsome, intelligent, funny man in the world. He needed an ego boost, and she was ready and willing to be that for him. It's a desire to feel significant. Um, that, that drives... And now, some guys do that. But I'll tell you what more more than that do. Uh, guys hang around and they, they do what they think is the right thing and they just shut down emotionally. And, he, and men uh, don't want to fight with their wives and we don't know how to fight with our wives, really. Blokes just don't know quite... It's like trying to play touch footy with a girl. You guys ever played the, you know, touch... You play that funny other football thing, you know, they kick the ball and whatever, catch it. But, like, touch rugby... When you're playing touch rugby with a girl, you just never quite know where to, like, <laughs> tag them. It's, but it's like that kind of fighting with your wife. So what do men do usually? Withdraw, and then she chases him, so he withdraws more and, and so on. And David Henry Thoreau said, the mass of men live lives of quiet desperation. The mass of men live lives of quiet desperation. Certainly by the age of middle age, they are. All right. So... A lot of bad outcomes for men. Let me hand over to Kathy, and uh, she talk about women. Oh, it's good news at the end, by the way. Don't leave yet. <laughs> okay, so um, for the wife, like when your husband behaves like that, then we feel shut out, and um, we feel unloved, 
And so then we become bitter and become more critical. And uh, as Alan often says, I give him hot tongue and cold shoulder. So, um, yeah. And so marriage becomes a chore. And But, you know, you've got kids. You know, you've got to stick at it. And, yeah, so it just becomes unhappy. And... Um, uh, so the you know the admiring, ever approving woman that you started off being becomes the uh, disapproving woman and lets her husband know it. And I think as women, we we really know often how to voice our disapproval, and we can really let our husbands have it. So um, yeah, that's it. That's my yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you want me to take me through that? Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. So um, uh, I even noticed. Uh, yeah. So you stay on because you know you've signed up for ministry, and you've got kids, and you've made promises, and you know that's what God wants you to do—to honor those promises. Um, but you sort of sometimes you just don't see where to go. Um, and even I noticed more for us personally recently because um, in the last few months we had a ex- lot more extra stresses on our marriage. Um, we were selling a house, uh, buying a house, moving house, organising to move house, move house, starting a new ministry with extra financial pressures that we didn't have before, and uh, but mercifully not having a baby at the same time. <laughs> we did have a grandson the year before, but um, anyhow. So, uh, but the, it's just yeah, just all those extra pressures. But um, in, in the book, Egric says also that we, we just, men and women see the world differently. And there's been lots of articles. So um, actually there was an article in the Sun Herald in Sydney recently, which um, I think summed it up quite well. Okay. So. Now, Kathy tells me that women really do think this way. Okay. I, I, I don't know. Okay, here we go. Um, Wait a minute. Did we? Oh, sorry, I hit the wrong button. Here we go. Okay, so he says, your friend seemed really nice. And she hears, I hear, gee, your friend is so hot. You know, and that's the kind of chick I'd like to be with. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, he says, you're looking lovely today. And she hears... If only you didn't look like that fat frump most of the time. You know, so, yeah. Um, she says... Oh, so I, she says, do I look okay in this? Uh, and he hears, if you don't give me the right answer, it means you're insensitive, uncaring and selfish, and I'm going to give you hell about it for the next two hours. Okay. Yeah. And she says, that's not how you do it. And he hears your pathetic excuse of a man and you may as well just give up. Um, yeah, sometimes it does feel like your wife's in cricket commentary mode and then he follows you around and makes comments on everything you do. And that's, uh, anyway. and I'm, so I'm get... very good at that. Yeah. Okay, you want to take us through that okay. one? Okay. So the cartoon here, like so, he's saying, I just, I just thought I'd say it all with these roses. And she goes... What, about how thorny and ephemeral our relationship really is? Or um, you might even think, well, he doesn't even know what flowers are like. Well, he's brought the wrong flowers. Like, you know, how insensitive is that? Yeah. All right. All right. So um, 
Here we go. I'm about to say, last... Um, oh, we'll go to the next one, can we? I'm sorry, one more. That's it. Uh, we had a, a month's holiday in uh, October last year. We went bike riding around Vietnam. It was great fun, just, just great fun. Uh, we took this book with us and we kind of tag-teamed uh, read it while we were away. Now, I've had lots of marriage books read to me, uh, mostly at night while I'm trying to go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, this is really very good. Uh, it's one simple idea that he spreads out, but uh, in terms of an investment in your marriage and time, uh, it's, it's very good. And basically, the whole thing is about love and respect, and he's taken it out of that verse in Ephesians 5.33 about agape and phobeo and the difference in what men and women need and we need to give one another. Now, what he's got is an acronym about um, how uh, men should love their wives and how wives should love their husbands. Gentlemen, let me just take you through the acronym that, that, uh, that he, he takes us through and, uh, and see what you think. Okay, it's the acronym COUPLE, um, C-O-U-P-L-E. Let's uh, see. So he says, you want to love your wife, here's how you go. C is for closeness. And that is, she wants to feel close to you. Uh, wants to feel a kind of contact and intimacy. Right? Not just a business partnership and not just a hand on the knee when you want a kind of um, special lie down, if you know what I mean. Okay? She wants to feel close to you at other times as well. Um, so physical touch, yes, but like hypothetically speaking, maybe a wife would say to her husband, um, I don't want you to just touch me when you want sex. Uh, I want, you know, like, although that's all the time, but anyway, that's okay. Now, she wants to feel connected. Now, the next one, openness, uh, C-O, to actually share how you feel. Uh, that can be a bit of an effort for some blokes. I remember a young guy, ministry trainee, uh, he was talking with me a while ago, and uh, I'll change the names, but he said uh, he was marrying a girl who's a social worker, and he said, um, Al, uh, I'm engaged to Jenny now, and Jenny wants me to share my deeper feelings with her. And I said, oh, that's right, mate, you're engaged, I think that's fair enough. He said, but I'm, I don't think I have any. <laughs> um, I said, oh, just, yeah, just fake it. Do your best. Anyway. <laughs> so they're married. They have four kids. They're quite happy at the moment. All right. Now, I, as I, if you want to think, men do things shoulder to shoulder. Men go to sport or play sport or, or whatever, shoulder to shoulder. A woman wants to talk with you face to face. So, gentlemen, she wants you to be open. She needs you to give her, her, um, give her your full attention. And that means things like stop reading the newspaper don't watch the TV, look at her, uh, and so on, all right? So it's, um, you know, share what your day was like and so on. My difficulty is it takes me a full sentence, Kathy has to say a full sentence before I'm beginning to come back from newspaper land. So she said, I don't know if you guys are the same, I hear, Da-da, wait, wife is talking, look up and she's finished the sentence. And then I have to decide, okay, do I take the pain now and say I didn't listen, or do I try and fake it and later on I'll get the pain? So I, anyway. Or as that newspaper article said, women talk for rapport, men talk to report. So, so is that right? You, you kind of, it's, you're relating as you're talking and so on. Blokes just talk and they've got something to say. So it's openness, uh, talk to her and so on. Understanding, um, I don't quite understand this one, but it's 
listen, you don't necessarily have to fix it. They want you to understand and listen. You don't have to give solutions to everything all the time. Okay? So listen, you don't have to fix it. Um, it's like giving flowers. Uh, it works. I don't know why it works. Just do it. All right? Okay. Uh, peacemaking, he's talking about taking the initiative to actually apologise. And I think, you know, God calls you to be the head of the house, to be the leader. It means you've got to lead in um, apologising and so on. Uh, don't be too proud to do it. Eating a bit of humble pie won't hurt you. I've eaten a lot of it. It's never hurt me. Okay. Next one, loyalty. Um, uh, loyalty to her with your eyes in terms of who you look at and where you look and what you watch. Be loyal to her in how you speak about her. Uh, interesting that, uh, that in Proverbs 31, the, hu- the husband praises his wife. So speak highly of her. Uh, be involved in the things that you know are important to her. And here's another one, gentlemen. As I look around, some of you will be too young for this. But um, you need to teach your children, particularly your sons, that they should treat their mother with appropriate respect. And there will come a time when a teenage boy is bigger than his mother and she can't make him do things. And, and sometimes dad will need to step in. or whenever There will be a few key times when dad has to step in and teach him how to treat mum. Okay, So, um, as it's been said in our house, mate, God made us bigger and stronger than the girls so we can look after them and care for them rather than ignore them. Okay, uh, So, loyalty. And then the last one, esteem. You need to, um, he says, and he's dead right, show her honour. Um, it doesn't hurt to open a door for her, um, a car door now and then. Um, uh, and the symbolic things that are important, like uh, anniversaries and um, uh, birthdays and so on. Um, uh, yeah, and to thank her for what she does. So those things uh, put together. Okay. Um, now, uh, I'm not saying I've arrived, um, but um, you know, learning to do a bit more housework, learning to be a bit more useful around the house... The, the, I'm still just a novice at the housework. To become a Jedi master in housework is when you do it without drawing attention to the fact that you've done it. Okay, I haven't got there yet. I may never. Because um, if I do it, I want all the credit that I can possibly wring out of it. But it's, when you learn to do it without drawing attention to it is, uh, is significant. All right. So, Kathy, you want to take us through the... So the next bit, um, Egric says, he uses the acronym CHAIRS, how to spell respect to your husband. And uh, I've got to admit, I've found this very difficult. I think it's just as hard for the guys. So, um, yeah, so firstly, the conquest is to appreciate his desire to achieve and, um, yeah, to work, to thank him for working. Like God made him as a hunter-gatherer originally and uh, a doer, so believe in him. It's hard when you, to watch your husband put together something without the instructions. Like, he's just always want to step in and say, shouldn't you read the instructions and, you know, follow them? But anyway, you've got to, yeah, appreciate his desire to do that and not step in. 
Um, hierarchy, hierarchy is linked with that. Just appreciate his desire to protect and provide for you. Um, yeah, so it, for me that's been difficult also because I've come from a family where um, I, I guess I've had more, more material money. And so in a sense I, I, I have, I guess, gone into problems where I felt I was providing for my husband. So, um, yeah, that has caused difficulty for us. Um, authority, I just appreciate his desire to serve and to lead. So, again, it's all respect-related. Uh, and insight, appreciate his desire to analyse and counsel. And um, that we women aren't the only ones who have it all right. We think we do, but we don't. So you need, um, yeah, the insight. <coughs> And the, um, the Bible has lots of passages uh, against or also pointing out that it's better to live somewhere else than with a quarrelsome wife. So um, it's better to uh, appreciate your husband and to support him and respect him. And men often hear criticism as contempt. So when we feel like correcting all the time and I get into this cricket commentary mode, then... Um, then Alan feels disrespected and he feels more like as though I have contempt for him. I don't respect what he thinks, um, what he does, and, um, and so that breaks down in the relationship. Um, okay, yeah. And sexuality, um, so to appreciate his desire <clears throat> for sexual intimacy. Sounds like we're really drumming the drum for sex. And um, it's just really important. So, um, and it's depending on how you're wired up, you may just find it more difficult in getting to that stage. And uh, but um, his desire for sexual intimacy, he needs sexual release, just like we need emotional intimacy. So, um, yep. And um, yeah. So, husband and wives have different needs. And the husband's self-image is often tied to what he does, his work. Maybe for women, not so much so, but it just depends on your situation. Um, and Egrix talks about air hoses. He talks about like how um, we step on each other's air hose, so what provides us air. So uh, if Alan's stepping on my air hose, it means he's like, he's not giving me the love I need and the esteem I need. But uh, And when I step on his air hose, I'm not giving him the respect that he needs to survive, or to, to, to live on. And um, so the husband needs respect to give him air. And um, I think Alan, oh no, he didn't talk about the story about the wife. There's a story about a wife that goes to her husband's office to see him. And um, as she's waiting in the office, um, she, she hears other people who work for her husband go and talk to him and she's just amazed how much respect they have for him, for his position at work, whereas she just never saw that at all and rather than, rather just saw him at home and just was disrespectful to him and because to her he wasn't helping around the house or whatever. So um, that was just a real eye-opener for her when she was at the office. So, Ben, how much time have we got? When do we need to finish up, mate?
Uh, I think we've got the room till 9.30. Okay. Right on. You guys want to have a little chat about, uh, you've got the uh, couples acronym and you've got chairs. You want to have a little chat with your partner for a minute and we'll see if we can uh, do a little, if you want to make a comment, uh, whatever. Just have a, have a talk about it for, uh, for a minute or two and see if there's something that uh, jumps out. Okay, folks, anyone, uh, just a minute or two to wrap that up. I'll have a bit more time in a minute. Anybody got any uh, thoughts or comments? We've got, we've got a little bit of time. Thoughts, comments, questions? Uh, Steve? You get extremes, don't you, with someone who's, you know, all blows. Some blokes are a bit more attractive than feminine side. Yep. Some of these all chicks, and so on the spectrum, you know, the closer you get here, you still got to keep your identity. But it does make for you know a lot more give and take than that. Like you might be quite sparky, but if you might just slip into a bit more comfortable mode. Uh, true. And, and you have the you have kind of a spectrum, kind of the masculine traits and feminine traits, and some people are more masculine and you know, have different kind of traits. Yep, that's true. And we're all we're all individuals uh, as well. And I'll talk about the love languages thing in a in a little while, and that that's where we're all different as well. Yep. And this is a generalisation, but it's it's pretty accurate. And I, I you know the the scripture says it for a reason. But yeah, we're we're different, and the the acronym won't always won't always hold. Um, yeah. I mean the uh, uh, <laughs> blind one of my daughters has been known. One of my daughters have been known to say to me, "Mum, you're not really a real woman." <laughs> Why? Because I'm not really female, female. Like, so I, I, <laughs> I am physically like. <laughs> no, no, but, no, 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 no. In terms of characteristics, like, uh, uh, and say, because I don't often have to find other women to talk to a lot. So I'm, um, I'm actually okay like that. So, but uh, Whereas one of my other children needs to sort of really have a lot of rapport and talk over everything. Um, so, yeah, that, so there's, we all vary on the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Any other, any other thoughts, comments? Well, I realise that a bloke understanding one that, yeah, I'm really bad at that one, eh? Yeah, okay, understand, want to give solutions really quickly? Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. It, 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 I'm told the girls want to be listened to. So Kathy used to say to me, when we like first married for a while, she'd say, we, we never talk. And I'd say, yeah, okay, I've got half an hour, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> I don't know, it didn't ever, that didn't work, did it? No, okay, so... How does that work with the guys need to give insight? Um, the girls need to be listening to the guys to give insight. Yeah, Cathy, what do you think about guys and uh, insight? I, I think it just means we, we actually would like you to possibly value our opinions on things. I think that's, yeah, that's what it is. So... Um, 
I think what's happened uh, with us is Cathy's a very capable woman and uh, has run the home, and I've been out doing other things too much, and, and the home's in a nice kind of orderly routine, um, and uh, when I'm kind of come back, uh, it's like, who are you when you're messing things up, and I'm not, me and my opinions aren't quite as welcome, so that also means you're more likely to go off somewhere again, so it's kind of... I think that's what it means. Appreciate um, the fact that maybe we have a clue about things. It's just a matter of being taken seriously. I think so. It's yep. um, a, a bit of a recipe for conflict in that, yep. in that guys have a need to give insight and to be able to, you know, when you're struggling with something, offer, you know, help and a way out and you just want them to shut up and listen. So yeah, that's it. Like, yeah. That's, that's it. it. Yeah. That's Men why Egwix calls that the crazy cycle. Men want to fix things, right? with or without instructions. So, yeah. Do any of you guys actually read instructions on things? No, I do. You do? Okay, you're the one. Okay. Right. Two. Two. Okay. Uh, well, you probably haven't broken as many things as me. Yeah. But men want to fix things, and, and women will relate by talking to each other. When I go on a hunting trip with my mate Matthew, we might go, I don't know, three hours, and in the car and not talk because there's nothing to talk about um, you know but it's different with with the girls yeah okay other thoughts okay let's push on we'll get to um, get to talk about your love language in, in, uh, in a moment alright so w- where does that all leave us uh, husbands uh, be considerate let's go to um, uh, 1 Peter 3 get to some more gold one more money no yeah that's it thank you did you notice, you notice, gentlemen, particularly, 1 Peter 3, 7, um, uh, translated, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of uh, the gracious gift of life. Uh, the weaker partner thing, it could mean just um, generally the girls aren't physically as strong, but it may also mean that if she's going to be submissive to, uh, to him uh, and, and choose to be that, then she's put herself in some ways in a vulnerable position. But what I want to draw your attention to is, uh, in the same way be considerate, it's not exactly what it says. What it actually says is, live with your wife according to knowledge. Live with your wife according to knowledge. What we're called on to do is to, is to know her and, and work hard at that, to uh, understand her as best we can. Uh, and so to understand her capacity for work, um, her capacity for dealing with people, um, you know, do people energise her or do people exhaust her? Um, understand her capacity and need for sleep. Uh, Kathy needs two hours a day more sleep than me. Well, she looks a lot better than me too, right? But uh, she, but Kathy sleeps. Uh, I get up early. Kathy will sleep two hours a day more than me. Well, I just need to understand that and be in ninja mode in the mornings when I wake up, right? So I don't uh, try not to wake her up. That kind of thing. Um, Wear earplugs as well. Yeah. To understand how she makes decisions. Live with her according to how to make decisions. Uh, I make decisions really quick and snappy, and half of them are wrong. Okay? Uh, Kathy makes decisions really slowly and is almost never wrong. So I've learned now, if you want something to happen, if I just spring something on her like, hey, why don't we go here for a holiday? The answer is no. Couldn't possibly do that. But if I take the time and submit a white paper to the Senate and then it's, you know, it's discussed, it goes through committee stages or whatever, and you take a week to talk about it, 
very often the answer is um, yes, or she's thought of something kind of better that works for both of us. Even to go to the movies, 24 hours notice means that, yep, let's go. Um, versus I, I'm like, let's go five minutes? Yeah, let's go, we can be there. All right. um, uh, but she makes decisions slowly, so happy wife, happy life, learn to do that. All right. Um, also, gentlemen, you, we're called upon, men are called upon to lead and love their families. We need to be the pastor of our family, uh, to love our wives, uh, manage our households well and so on. Um, to be the one who takes the initiative to read the Bible with the kids and, and so on. We shouldn't just leave that to our wives. To be the one that puts routine into that. So in our family, for, I don't know, 20-something years, every time we sat down to eat, we never ate in front of the television. Television's not in the same room. After dinner, uh, we'd sit, we'd read the Bible. And depending on the age of the kids, it's a kind of Bible we read and some, but we'd read the Bible and we'd pray. Sometimes just a complete fiasco is... Uh, you know, the kids would try and misbehave or whatever in different ways. But whatever it was, they've come away with the Dad and Mum read the Bible with us again and again and again, and we pray. So link it into something that's routine. Might be morning, might be night, whatever it is. But Dad, it's your, your job to take the initiative on that. Okay. And, and they still expect it as young adults now when they're home for tea. Yep. Doesn't uh, Look... Uh, our oldest two aren't walking with the Lord, 28 and 26. Love them dearly, we're good mates. But they come home, they know, you know, sunrise is in the east and we read the Bible after dinner and they're okay with it. All right, that's, that's just been part of the family. Um, okay, uh, here's another thing, gentlemen, I reckon. In, in terms of if you've been out, and for those of us who are in, in uh, Christian ministry have that privilege, often you, you, you kind of, you're just exhausted after a day or you've been away for the weekend or whatever and you can't wait to get home um, uh, collapse in, in front of the telly and pick up you know, the greatest piece of technology of the 20 and 21st century, the remote, and away you go. Can't wait to do that. If you can get it in your head, though, that you're not off duty until you've been home for half an hour, what do I mean? When you come in, your wife needs to talk to you, and the kids probably need looking after or disciplining or something like that, and if you're home for half an hour and you're useful for that, okay, makes all the difference in the world. I'm not saying I've worked it out perfectly, but if you can do that, um, it, it makes such a difference when you do come home. And I also say, hypothetically speaking, like if a husband came home and he's been out all day and he goes straight to his study and works up until dinner time, um, I tell you what you're going to get for dinner. I say, uh, cold shoulder and hot tongue. Right? You have, um, when you come home, you need to talk to her and so on. If you've got to go and work or do something in it, explain that to her. You'll just be a little while and so on. All right. The other thing is you need to be proactive in scheduling your time if you're in ministry because ministry will take up every moment that you give to it. Um, to schedule, here's where it's tricky with Kathy in the room, uh, you've got to, to schedule a night in the week together. Uh, I do that with an electronic diary. Uh, we just haven't done it all year. Yeah. That's, um, just have it on, on the calendar, but... This year's yeah, bad. yeah, that's right, and we can kind of feel that. But to put aside a night uh, in the week when you actually have grown up time, whether you go out or you stay at home, but nice time together to actually talk and communicate is a great thing. Organize, have a proper day off, that kind of thing. And here's something else. This is worth the price of admission. You ready? When you when you're going to go away, if you're in ministry work and you're away for a few days or a week or whatever it is. What used to happen is I'd go away for a week, come back just exhausted, 
Um, and, and when I get home either that night or the next morning, you know, Cathy was keen to go and do something, whatever, and I'm really tired and kind of, you know, scratching my head, half asleep, too tired to do things, whatever it is, and she'd be filthy with me, understandably. So what I've learned is this. Before you go away, work out with her what you will do when you come home. So I'm getting home Friday afternoon. Uh, Friday night, we're going out to the whatever it is. Or I'm getting home Friday night. Saturday morning, we're going to get up and we're going to go do X and so on. Right. Now, what does that mean? One, when you get home and you're dead tired, you haven't got to think, oh, what can we do with it? You know, it's in the diary, you're psyched for it, we're going to go to Centennial Park or whatever it is, it's going to happen. But here's the really good thing, right? While you're away and she's thinking of you, she's not thinking, oh, that mongrel, he's always away. And she's thinking, we're going to have Saturday together in Centennial Park. All right? It's just a whole different way of thinking of it and it just gives you something positive for you both to look forward to. So in the diary early, is, it makes a really a big difference. The other thing I think as a family you should have, you should have as a policy, to have as few unused holidays as possible when Jesus returns. You imagine when the Lord returns and you've got 10 weeks of unused holiday. Like you just think, oh, no. Now, it'll be a minor disappointment, but it will be a disappointment. Because you'll think, I sure, what, uh, right? And I'll be there saying, told you so. Okay. My aim is to have about 45 minutes of unused holidays. Whenever he returns, I've got to cover. What do I mean? You get given holidays so that you can, you know, iron, so you can resharpen the saw, as Stephen Covey says, and you need to use them every year. And... You need to plan your holidays. It might seem unspiritual or something, but the first thing that should go in your holidays for the new, a year in advance is when you're having your holidays. Okay? And you should plan them, and especially if you've got little kids, it's holidays is when you build family legends. Our kids still look back to times when we took them to the beach year after year and chased ghost crabs at night you know, with a torch on the beach and I'd drag them out in the surf and their boogie boards and they'd fly in or we caught fish or we did... All sorts of stuff. And times in the bush, you know, shooting rabbits and building fires and all sorts of fun stuff. That And plan your holidays, even if it's a year in advance. And even if you haven't got a lot of money, you can still have a really good time. But if you leave your holidays till late, it's never quite time to have it and they're always rushed and, and so on. So build your family legends. Uh, the other thing in ministry particularly is learn to say no to people. Uh, you're going to disappoint someone, it's better not to disappoint your wife and your kids. So, you know, you may have to disappoint other people. Now, here's, uh, we're going to hear from Kathy in a moment, but here's, uh, here's a book that's gold. Right? Um, Hello. Okay. Um, well done. Okay. Gary Chapman uh, written a book, The Five Love Languages. Can you just kind of, like... If you've heard of it or seen it, read it. Ah, excellent. Okay, great. Yeah. It's, it's very, very good. I think, once again, it's a fairly simple idea stretched into a book, but it's a great idea. Now, if you haven't read it, here's what, um, here's what uh, Gary Chapman's thesis is. I think he's right. That we, that we accept love or we're able to absorb love from other people in different ways. And he has five ways. There's probably others, but this is five good ways of thinking about it. The five ways are acts of service, words of encouragement, gifts, physical touch, and time. And if you're, if, you're try, if you're trying to show love to somebody kind of in the wrong way, they'll have real trouble 
hearing that. Okay, so um, now, for example, our son, uh, who we love dearly, he's about uh, 20, 24 soon, I think his love language really is gifts, isn't it? Uh, he just loves to get little presents. and He's always buying himself stuff on the internet that's just arriving. Um, uh, he, he loves getting cards. He, and I've never known anybody, except maybe your brother, he, he's just got this Jedi thing to be able to buy exactly the right present for people. Uh, so he can buy presents that his sisters just love. Uh, I don't know how he does it, but he just clothes or whatever it is, he just bang, he does it. Presents. But you buy Kathy a present, eh, just no traction at all, okay? Um, me, my love language is, and there's no need to practice it on me, all right? Me, and my love language is words of encouragement. A pat on the back and, hey, well done. Oh, yeah, okay, right? I don't like pre- uh, presents, don't matter. Words of encouragement. For Kathy, words of encouragement? Nah, talk's cheap. Unfortunately, if it was presents, I could just pick up the phone and the credit card and fix it, or uh, I could just talk. Kathy's two love languages are? Time and, and acts of service. service. Yeah, okay. A time and acts of service. Why? Because talk's cheap. You've got to do something. <laughs> what was that? Because I know that kills you. Yeah, that's it. And the thing that is more precious to me than money is time. Because you only get 168 hours a week. That's it. So, you've got to understand. See, now I understand. And I haven't done a great job of it, I've got to say, in the last few months. But now I understand with Kathy. Buy a presents? No, nothing. Offer to take her out for dinner or nothing. Uh, what do you got to do? Do the dishes after dinner, makes a big deal. Put out the washing, whatever it is, a bit of housework, but particularly to grab the dog and the lead. Take the dog, like for Kathy and I, the three of us and the dog, like us and the dog, to go for a walk, okay? And then one of us talks and two of us listen, okay? And we haven't got a magic dog, right? You know what I mean? Okay. And and just for an hour, and it doesn't cost anything, but it, it costs me time. Okay? So that's the way that I show that that's Kathy's love language. Uh, she's got to try and learn to be a little bit encouraging of me rather than having the gift of keeping me humble, which is kind of the, yeah, all right. Now, here's your mission as a, yeah, we've got, we got time here. Just for instance, why don't you have a talk with one another? We've got the, yeah, there's the five, um, the five love languages. How about you have a talk with your partner? And see if you can, why don't you see if you can get your partner's love language right. I think it's whatever it is, okay? And just see how you go with that. Yeah, I guess, um, okay. just give you a bit of time, finish off. Um, in terms of the love languages, like... Um, because, because I always had my, I guess, technically you're not supposed to say you have your own money, but I did. So, I mean... You chose her parents very carefully. My parents were... <laughs> and Alan had no money. So, um, but, so, for me, I could, you know, I could go to the shop and buy what I really wanted. But if Alan bought me something, it wouldn't be right or, you know, I just didn't have to take it back and exchange it. It's even more trouble. And, um, yeah, and if Alan bought something, I mean, I'd pay all the bills, so it'd just come back to me, so, like, it just didn't work for us. But, um, yeah, but time is a really big thing for me, because I know he's always scratched for time. And, uh, but I just naturally, I think it's God's uh, sense of humour that he often puts people together who have very different um, love languages. 
and you have to actually be sacrificial in how you treat each other. And, um, and early on, I mean, I still have trouble in that I always felt like, well, why do I need to praise Alan or, or um, say he's done a good job? Everyone else tells him. It's my job to tell him, you know, how it's really like. <laughs> Give him the real truth. So, yeah. Um, now, I mean, it's, it's a great irony that for a man, um, you, you know, you can do whatever it is and everyone else tells you, yeah, great, great, great. But a word of encouragement from your wife means a hundred times more than that. Okay. Now, Kathy's just learning that it's not necessarily her mission in life to keep me humble, um, but to, although she does that, uh, but a word of encouragement uh, means a lot. Uh, we're going to talk about, in terms of consideration, um, uh, in terms of uh, sex, gentlemen, um, very important to be nice to your wife and treat her kindly, not just uh, when you want sex, but to love her and care for her generally. So affection is the end in itself, not a means to an end. Um, the other thing that Cathy reminds me about, uh, gentlemen, um, personal hygiene is important. Uh, in terms of, you know, a little bit of romance and so on, uh, if you smell nice, it's a great help. All right, anyway, I know that's just kind of basic, but yeah. Okay, let me... Cathy's um, uh, going to talk about a, a difficult subject... Um, I'm sure that, uh, guys, you're talking to the men in your churches about this, but uh, here you go, my dear. Um, yeah, so I guess uh, this is the area of pornography. This area of pornography, and I just want to uh, make it clear that um, a small glance, a little look is not harmless. And it affects you for a very long time, and it takes your marriage a long time to recover from it. And so I just want to highlight that, how serious it is, and I want you to highlight it with the men and the young men in your congregation, or who are in your groups, how, how serious it is. And it's not, um, how do you say it, harmless like the world tells them it is, and that everyone else is doing it. So just tell them, don't go there. It, it will um, really have deep impact on your marriage relationship when they get married. And, uh, yeah, it just takes a long time to sort all those things out. And for a, just let me, just from a woman's perspective, um, also, firstly, when your husband comes to you and says that he has had troubles, struggles with this, it's really easy to be defensive and react really angrily and hurt and upset because that's, that's how you feel. You feel rejected. Um, but to just try and understand his situation to help him and, uh, but also then try and get him to get some help uh, to be accountable to someone to talk through all of that. Um, and for the husbands, be, before, if, if you are even tempted to look, to just think, how hurtful that would be for your wife and um, that it will make her feel very worthless, um, it will make her feel rejected uh, because the stuff they put out there is not, not real people. They're all, you know, airbrushed or whatever. And so your wife will feel like her body doesn't match up and so it will just take a long time 
to sort that through and it will affect your sex lives and your relationship for, for quite a long time. So I just want um, yeah, to be quite frank about that. Okay. I've got the paper. Okay. Down there? All right. Okay. Um, I think we've we talked about already uh, just the for wives uh, to show your husband respect and affirmation and uh, that Alan's love language, you know, being physical touch and words of affirmation was actually very difficult for me to learn having grown up in a household where that really wasn't shown and so to me it was very foreign and for me growing up was more, um, uh, you showed your love by buying your children things or uh, giving them opportunities in life. Um, yeah, so for me, I really need to feel, uh, and to be conscious about what Alan's love language is. So I think that's why we've got you to talk about that bit and have a think through how you can um, be helpful to each other in that way. Um, yeah. Right, I think I've done this bit. Ah, all right. Okay, I, I think, uh, yeah, for Alan, so because my love language is acts of time, I mean acts of service and time, then I don't feel the love if Alan doesn't give me that. And uh, so therefore, I don't give him what he needs. So, uh, so you go in this crazy cycle. And um, I thought that being a good supportive wife uh, was to keep the home organised, pay the bills, make sure everything is right. Um, it didn't mean, you know, giving Alan praise or what I thought was going to give him a, a big head. And uh, for, for me, I thought God wanted me just to, you know, keep him on the straight and narrow, just keep organised and everything is how it should be. But uh, he really desperately needs to hear from me affirmation and, um, yeah, respect and encouragement. So I'm still learning. Uh, and so criticism, I think I mentioned this before, criticism and contempt are two of the big marriage killers. And yeah, if you keep being critical and showing contempt to each other, that will just break down your relationship. Um, other things for wives to work on, like Alan talked about personal hygiene, etc., is your own relationship with Jesus. So don't leave that up to your husband. Um, work on your own relationship with Jesus and your walk with him. Read your Bible, pray, find uh, a good support system, find other women you relate to well. Uh, you might only need one good friend, some women need lots of good friends. So work out what you need and um, yeah, go, go seek them out. And uh, you need a good um, support system, particularly if you're in ministry and particularly if you get isolated. So that if there's any trouble, you, you've got someone outside the area of ministry you're involved in to talk to. Because uh, often you can't talk through things like that in, in the specific area where you are. Um, so that's really important, I ask you all, even, and the men, to seek um, support system as well. And your health. Look after your own health. Um, exercise if that's good for you. Um, eat healthily, sleep well, all those things makes, I guess, lasting and um, surviving in ministry much easier. 
and work out, of course, related to that is your own boundaries, your own roles. So I'm not naturally an upfront person. I don't really like to, so I'm spitting into this thing all the time. Um, it's not my natural tendency, and um, so uh, I only do it on odd occasions. But, uh, so we, each one of us needs to work out how God has wired us up and uh, the gifts he's given us and, and work on those. So I much prefer hospitality and having people in my home. Um, I love having people at our place, but I also have to be mindful that Alan gets worn out and he needs time out, so I can't have people at our place all the time. So we balance that out. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, you want to talk about... Yeah. Okay, so how does family and ministry work? I don't know. You may have questions afterwards, so I'm happy to... Or you want to interrupt and ask questions, that might be okay. Um, really, ministry is about sharing your life. So whether you're in full-time paid ministry... Or, or not, every Christian is in some form of ministry, wherever you are. And uh, it's about sharing your life, sharing Jesus. Um, and it's public. So if you're in, particularly if you're in full-time paid ministry or part-time paid ministry, it, it, it is public. And people will look at you, people will look at what you wear, um, where you live, what car you drive, how your children behave. All those things, and I think you just got to get used to it, and you've got to balance that out between where you're living. Are you similar to the people around you, or your congregation? Are you very different, and you need to sort that out. Um, we live, I think, in a society that overemphasizes privacy, so everyone becomes very protective of their life, and you know how many other people know what I do. All those things. Um, but I, I think we just need to develop a thicker skin and um, live with our decisions. If we think we're, what we're doing is right, we need to live with those and um, honour God in, in those things. Um, uh, be comfortable and confident in how God has gifted you and how you serve the decisions that you make. Um, and so I think it just takes time, you know, it takes time working out who you are, I think at my age now, I'm only just starting to be more comfortable in who I am and what I'm able to do and what I can't do. Some things I just say, nah, can't do it, can't do it. And, uh, but some things we need to pray about and God might be stretching us in areas to help us grow. Um, but don't compare yourself to the next minister's wife or the other church down the road, what wife there does or, or a friend of yours because we're all different and God has wired us all up differently and some of us are quieter some of us work really well one-to-one -to -one to, with someone some of us are public speakers so you need to pray about it and work out those things and, and be comfortable in what you're doing and talk to your husband about that as well um, and how you serve changes over time depending on your family so when our kids were our, well, our first baby cried a lot. Um, uh, Alan had just started on short-term ministry, the first sort of lot of beginning of uh, ministry training, and that was a really difficult time for me. We, you know, I struggled. Um, I think we, we had Bible study groups over. I kept going to church and all those things, but 
I, I think it's just a blur. I don't even remember I heard, remembered a sermon for, I don't know, yonks. <laughs> remembered what I heard, if I heard anything. And so you just feel a bit out of it, but you just keep going. Keep getting the baby ready, keep going, keep getting the family ready, keep going to church, don't give up on it. And the light will come. Well, the, how do you say? The light, there's light at the end of the tunnel. I'll get all those sayings wrong, get them back to front. Um, yeah, and so as, as your children change, and it depends on what they're like, you know, whether they're easygoing or whether they like people, some of them might hate people. You know, so they just need time out. Um, uh, so you need to work, work those out. And um, just never underestimate the impact you can have in and out of your home. So, you know, you might not be running too many groups at church or anything like that. But just even having one person in your home for a cup of tea or... You know, I've had people say to me, Oh, remember that time we came to your place for supper? And it's just so important, and you had a chat to me, and often I just don't remember. Just a blur, you're putting kids to bed, you're putting out supper and everything, but it's all important in God's eyes, and there's a reason for it. And you just never know where it touches another person. Okay, I'm still going. (laughs) Okay, uh, yep. Hit the pause button. Just talk about, um, let me see, we're running out of time. Yep. Just talk about uh, expectations on children, just quickly, okay. and, then, and then we'll go to that. All right. Okay, so um, uh, in terms of children in ministry, um, sometimes we can expect too much of our kids in, in ministry, expect them to always be well-behaved, um, be nice to everyone, uh, and as they get older, maybe we might expect them to be involved in everything that's happening at the church. Then just be careful of that and work out, again, how your, your children are wired up and what they can cope with. And, and let them be normal. And I wouldn't expect, you wouldn't want you to expect more of your children. As, uh, you'd only want to expect as much of your children as you would another family, you would expect another family at church. And, um, so, but bring them up to respect people, that there are people from all sorts of backgrounds. I think it's a really privileged time um, to show them that not many other families might have that experience of being brought into so many different cultures or different types of people and ministry life. So, guys, uh, we're running out of time. Um, one of the big things, though, Kathy and I have been doing this for years and years and years, and we've, uh, the way you can work together changes over time. So, she just said, for like 20-something years, Kathy didn't really come with me to do much and certainly wasn't used to public speaking. She was a, you know, a mum running home base with a tribe of kids and, and so on. Um, and then also the stage of life is different and then the way God's gifted you is different. So Kathy's idea of fun is 30 people in the home and feeding them. And the food just appears. It's some, like, it's a Jedi thing, okay? The food just appears. Um, and at the end of it, she's had a great time and I'm exhausted. But, okay. So you work out how to, to, to work together. All right? 
Why is it worth trying to fix the marriage and actually enjoy it? Well, not only will it be more fun for us, and, and let's say you, you signed up for both these things, ministry and marriage as volunteers. If we live lives that are miserable and we're dragging our butts through the day because it is not much fun and not much fun at home and so on, people are hardly going to be queuing up to want to become Christians. All right? If you want to be a people magnet, you've got to actually look like you're enjoying it. And uh, God does want us to enjoy ministry and to enjoy our marriages. Uh, two last comments. you want to talk about relating to men? That last one? Okay. Yep. So, um, relating to men. Well, Alan says, tell them, <laughs> men are not complex. Sex makes for a very happy boy. Lots of sex makes a very happy boy. <laughs> you can tell what's on his mind all the time. Um, but he most wants to know that you respect him. Okay. All right. Um, uh, and gentlemen, uh, if things aren't working at home, I say I think the way God's wired up the family, it's your job to initiate to try and fix things up. All right. Um, as Kathy reminds me regularly, the job of Jesus is already taken, and so that means you can take time off, and it means you have time with your family and so on. I think what your, well, my girl, and as I look, I've lived with four women for a very long time. Okay, and I think what. Uh, my daughters and my wife particularly want is to know that the man in their life treasures her, right? that she's special, um, she wants to feel close to you, she wants to know truly that you, that you love her. And that's, uh, that's what we want. Now, it's 9.30, Ben. What are we going to do? We, are we done? Do we want to take questions or bring your hands? I don't know if they're going to kick us out in the hurry, but we can take some questions. They sound a little preoccupied downstairs, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyone want to, particularly uh, the ladies, want to ask Kathy questions or thoughts on on ministry, kids, family, that kind of thing? Just either. Yeah, or either. You step up to the mic. Yes, sir. How, how do you deal with um, confidentiality in ministry? So I can't get anyone to give me a straight answer on on some good pointers for what things you should be actually discussing because your marriage comes first. And, and in terms of ministry and things that are going on in the church, where's the line that you, are right. there certain things you draw the line on and there certain things you go, we've got to talk about that? Uh, do you mean, um, do you mean uh, in terms of things I would discuss with another woman rather than Kathy, or do you mean confidences I keep from Kathy, or what, yeah, what do you mean? Confidences, where do you draw that line of going, well, actually, my wife's the most important thing. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I won't promise someone in advance that I'll keep something confidential. Okay? If someone says to me, I'm going to tell you something, but you can't tell anyone. Well, I'm going to no, why? Woo, wait. Now, you tell me, you trust me, and I'll be trustworthy with what you tell me. Okay? But I'm, I haven't taken any oath of, uh, right, okay? Next thing, I won't let anyone tell me something that I can't tell Kathy, because I won't have anyone drive a wedge between, between us. Now, I'm also blessed with a wife who's not curious about things. And often, people will uh, get all sorts of junk downloaded on me about stuff, and that's all right, they can. People need to tell me stuff, and usually, I don't tell Kathy. Like, it's ruined my day, why should I ruin hers, okay? <laughs> but I always want to keep that option open, that I could. Okay, so there's, there's the rules I work on. 
Uh, I'll tell you this, but you can't tell Kathy. Well, don't tell me, okay? Tell me, and I usually won't tell Kathy, okay? But I, I always want to keep that option. In terms of discussing things with, with another woman, I won't discuss things that are, that are emotionally or inappropriately intimate, emotionally, uh, and so on. Um, and I won't discuss things that I wouldn't talk about if Kathy was right there as well. So that's kind of the, the rules I, I try and work on. Um, yeah. And I, I think it's hard if you're in ministry, uh, some, um, for the wives sometimes, they, especially if they're curious about everything that's happening, they just need to know, you don't need to know everything that's happening at, at, at church yeah. or whatever. You just don't need to know. Yep. I'll tell you something else, gentlemen. Um, uh, my wife, my guess is your wife, will see things in people and know things that you, you cannot see. Okay? And Kathy would, when we first married and first started ministry, Kathy would tell me something, X, Y, Z, about this person. And I'd say, Tah, how do you know that? And she'd say, I don't know, I can't explain how I know, but I just know. Now, I have learned, I've listened to her. She has X ray vision about people somehow. So uh, I, I don't mean that in any kind of sexist way. I mean, women have some way of knowing it and listen to her. She's almost always right about people, yeah? Most times. Most times, yeah. So, all right. Other thoughts, comments? Uh, yeah. I was just, uh, yeah. just going to comment on that, that issue of things you hear. And I, there are times that I'm told things I just wish I hadn't heard. And I need to get it out of my head so it's, you know, with scrub... Yep. Steel wool, so I don't know it anymore, or something. Yes. But I found I have to have the value has been in having another man, usually someone else in ministry, whom I can go and tell these things to, so that I don't have to burden my wife, who has to share a church with that person. Um, yeah. That particular thing. Yeah, uh, I I think that's right. I think it's handy actually to have somebody that you can go and have a rant with. Um, in fact, I sat down uh, with a 25-year friend. Uh, on um, Wednesday afternoon for now, I had a cup of coffee and just talked about a whole lot of stuff that I couldn't talk to anybody else about and was good. And then we both go away and forget it. That's exactly right. I agree. And uh, there's certain things your wife just doesn't need to know about people. Yeah. And we do get told stuff that we wish we didn't have to know. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, not, not a foolproof idea about how to balance hospitality and family. But, um, yeah, I think you've just got to measure out what, what they can cope with. And um, also, I think the other thing I forgot to mention is that don't expect your children or don't let them, particularly the little, feel like everything in your home is open to everybody. I think you need to keep some parts of your home closed off. <clears throat> uh, they can choose some, some of their toys or whatever that they want to put out to share with other kids, but they don't have to share everything they have because they need to have some 
some things that are specially theirs as well, especially if it gets broken and so all those things. Yeah, let, let your kids have their privacy. And, and as your kids grow, sometimes they will need a bit more privacy as they go into teenagers. Um, uh, yeah, so, uh, and, you know, just don't, don't have that entire home uh, publicly open to everybody to walk right through. So have, have areas that you can have people in, but you close off other areas for, for the family. For what it's worth, we've learned, we, we plan hospitality nights uh, a long way in advance, even if we don't know who we're going to invite. So we've got three in the diary, and I'm still trying to work out who exactly we'd invite, because it can be a bit weird if you invite someone for dinner three months in advance. But, um, you, but you work out, okay, that's capacity, and it's who we're going to invite then, but we're not, you know, like... It's okay to live in the impulse zone sometimes, but you might work out, no, we can do one hospitality thing a, a week, and it's just who are we going to invite on those nights, something like that. We also had the luxury, as we were um, at Little Kids, of having the kids' bedrooms upstairs. And that meant that we could have a house full of people downstairs on a weeknight, and they could have their own little world upstairs. But that was a luxury... Uh, that that we got to have. Mm. Other uh, Naomi. Yeah, I was just going to say we've got a very small house and we do find a lot of hospitality, and the kids do feel that their toys and their spaces are faded. Um, you have kids coming over from different families, maybe some broken homes, some toys are missing, and they get broken. So to create that playing area, that's in a neutral place. Yeah, they're, they're all good points. And, and I think to make it feel, kids feel as also open or welcome to better make any comments. If, if a family has come and you, don't, you, you can't see everything that's gone on, um, it's okay for children to raise if they think there's a problem. Or, yeah, so get, deal with that. And uh, just on the point of hospitality is um, just a, a, a tip is if, if, particularly if you're not a natural hospitable person or you don't, really find it that easy to have people in the home and to feed them is is just to have a basic pantry. I always have like tin tomatoes, um, I don't know, tin beans and uh, you know, flour, tuna, all that sort of thing. You can just make up a basic meal without it having to be real flash and um, yeah, and it feeds everyone. So just have a basic pantry and uh, keep, and if you're having trouble keeping your house clean, uh, particularly with you know, a lot of kids or whatever, um, just try and have one room that's tidy. So don't expect yourself to have to tidy the entire house, but have one room tidy where you can have people into. Okay. Uh, the rugby league legend Jack Gibson described hospitality as making people feel at home when you wish they were. Now, um, uh, one, one more question. Yeah, as long as... Well, guys, if you've got to go, go. But I, uh, Yes, sir. 
near the beginning you said something like, uh, uh, you know, husband spends, it seems the husband is, is more than he can spend time with people in ministry than with his wife. Can feel like that. Can feel like that. So I'd like to hear from Kathy how you have negotiated that. Because her, one of her love languages is holiday time, so that's obviously been an issue. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the question was, how do I negotiate, or how do we negotiate, like, um, in terms of husbands spending more time in ministry out? And, and particularly when the babies were young, I, I did feel, often felt angry that um, other people had more time with Alan than I did. And when he came home, he was exhausted. So I think I, I learned to voice um, my, how do you say my frustration or upsetness when I when I wasn't really angry, like better to sort of be able to be calm and talk about those things. But we learned to have learned over the years to, and I've learned that I can actually say those things. That's not ungodly. That's not ungodly to raise with your husband that you need time with him or he needs to. Um, pardon. Prioritize. Prioritize. Yeah. Or um, yeah, work out his diary putting boundaries, all those things for the sake of your marriage. So I always thought, well, it's it's God work, so it must be more important than our marriage. It's not. So you need to make sure that, um, yeah, so we just keep talking about it. And it changes all the time. Sometimes I can cope with more, sometimes I can cope with less. Yeah. Okay. Haven't done well at it the last three or four months. Moved house, uh, new ministry, all sorts of stuff. So, actually, it's good to have to do this seminar and think, oh, yeah, we should do this stuff. So, you know, <laughs> we uh, you know. had, to, had to become friends again before coming away. <laughs> so I'm just saying, we're, we're fellow travellers too. That's the, yeah. Do you want to just talk a bit, just tell us about men and subtlety, reading between the lines? Oh, did yeah. You, did you say that? I don't know, did I say um, Men don't do subtlety. So, I, I used to think, oh, Alan must know what I'm thinking. He must know that I'm upset about this. Or he must know. Um, I, I, we need that day off. No, and 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 don't don't try little hints because I don't see that either. You just got to tell them plain and simple. I need time today or I need time this week. Can we block out this whatever time? Um, I don't like you doing that. Um, just got to be clear and upfront and straight. Shoot straight. <laughs> Right, thank you very much to Al and Kathy for coming all this way and for sharing tonight. Uh, why don't we pray, and in particular for you guys. Father, we thank you once again for the gift of marriage, uh, for each marriage in this room, and particularly uh, we thank you for Al and Kathy and their willingness to uh, pull together their thoughts and experience, their reading and reflection on marriage and ministry, and we pray that you would... Uh, bless them in their marriage and uh, show them ever new riches in one another as they love and respect one another. We pray, Lord, that we would all also hold fast to the promises we've made to one another in our marriages, to be uh, faithful, to live together as husband and wife in love and in respect. And we pray for your help, the help of your spirit, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, thanks for coming tonight. Uh, I don't know how long you want to hang around, but I guess we'll see what happens. On the back of your sheets, you'll notice the, um, a little ad for the 121 Degrees 
Church Planning Network's annual conference. If you've enjoyed being with these people, you might like to come again uh, to our annual conference in October and um, strengthen the fellowship of people who are involved and particularly concerned for church planning in Perth. Uh, so thanks once again for coming, and uh, it's uh, been great. Thanks you, Al and Kathy, once again for your your wonderful input tonight. Thanks for your patience.